AM 1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's now time to enter the sports zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Cardinals need a play right here from their franchise quarterback. Murray running for his life. Murray trying to buy some time. Murray gets a couple of blockers. Murray's going to run for it. He's got it. First down, Cardinals. Kyler Murray putting the offense on his back. He runs for 13. And new life for the Cardinals. Murray puts a mayor under it. Near side of the comebacker, McBride. And he's inside the 10. Amazing play by McBride. Two seconds on a day that Prater has kicked two field goals from 50-plus. A chip shot to win it. Good snap. And the kick is good. And the Arizona Cardinals have won it here in Week 10. It would have been a tie game. It would be right here. Browns with touchdowns on their last two possessions. Deflection picked off and taken back by Newsom. Newsom stayed in bounds. Touchdown. Wow. Was the hesitation because they're checking with New York about uh, an ejection? Here comes Burrow. He's chased Could by have possibly been that threat. Yes. Oh, it's intercepted. Intercepted in the end zone by Griffin. Joe Burrow has thrown interceptions on two consecutive possessions. On the end around, here comes Debo Samuel. Blockers in front. Williams is one of them. And Debo Samuel's in. Touchdown, San Francisco. One injured player back, leading the way for another. And it's 26-3, 49ers. That was my interesting choice. I don't know if it was just a messed up play or you just try to get what you did or whatever. 12th play of the drive on first down. Did they just let him score? They did. I don't know why, but they did. Cam Scadaboo looking right at the Arizona State cheering section here at the Rose Bowl. 17 yards. He's now thrown for one and rushed for another. Fourth quarter, Colorado the lead. Arizona seven yards away from potentially tied. Boy, Fafita stumbled. No stumble by DJ Williams. He's in for the touchdown. It is 24 yards to give Arizona their seventh win of the year. And there it is. The Arizona roll continues. Their first week as a ranked team in the Jetfish era. They come on the road and they win one without their A game, bluntly. You've got man coverage. They alert it. Get people crossing. Going to be a keep. It's going to be all the way to the end zone for Josh Allen. Spencer Brown, the right tackle, just blew open a hole. The underneath of the field is still wide open in this situation. Wilson over the middle, caught, touchdown, Cortland Sutton. And the Denver offense has come to life in the second half. Michigan takes over first and 10 at the 30. Corum with a hole down the sideline. Can he get there? Blake the great touchdown, Wolverine. 30 yards. On third down, 
Beck looks down the middle. There's Brock Bowers. Touchdown, Dogs. Little stutter and go. Little pump and then nice throw. Perfect timing. And finally, 19 gets into the end zone. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports zone guide, Bob Kemp on KDUSAM1060. Welcome to the Monday, November 13th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis in today's Sports Zone. Right here on KDUS AM 1060 and Kesslux HD 2 100.7. The Cardinals. How was Kyler Murray in his season debut? The 2023 NFL season. Are you satisfied with the level of play? The Sun Devils. Does it need to beat the U of A for 2023 to be successful? The Wildcats, what stood out during the win at Colorado. Bills and Broncos, who you got tonight? ATS and Buffalo. The numbers creeped down to seven in the last few couple hours here. Pretty much everywhere. College football, what was um, you know, what team stood out the most to you on Saturday? And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday in moments with the introduction of today's pipeline. 10.15 or so around the NFL with Vinnie Iyer of the Sporting News. 10.30 interactive action at 602-260-1060 and also the local roundup. That'll include some Cardinals and Falcons analysis. Final segment of the Sports Zone will be the National Roundup. That'll be topped by the weekend football scoreboard as much as I can get in at that point. Then after the Sports Zone from, 10, uh, from 11 to 1, it's the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. That'll include much more from the NFL and college football weekend. But right now, on to the pipeline we go. Time for today's pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. Now we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. Today's question is, was Kyler Murray's 2023 debut better than you anticipated and Kayla is here and has the early returns. The masses are on the yes side of things here to the tune of 90% of the vote, no trailing at 10%. Murray completed 19 of 32 passes for 249 yards and also rushed for 33 yards on six carries and one touchdown and the Cardinals last last play, a 25-23 victory over the Falcons. Meanwhile, today's Twitter poll question, are you satisfied with the level of play through 10 weeks of the NFL season? And Kayla, what do you have here? Yeah, no leading the way at 62.5% of the vote. Yes, trailing at 37.5%. This is over on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. Sunday's slate, including surprising to most home losses by the Ravens and Bengals, and surprising to many, the 49ers' total road domination at Jacksonville, what was the biggest surprise on Sunday? Baltimore's fourth quarter collapse against Cleveland, Cincinnati's home loss to Houston, or San Francisco's domination at Jacksonville. Meanwhile, back to the local front we go. ASU has won two straight after Saturday's 17-10 win at UCLA, a game in which the uh, Devils won with just enough offense and two goal line stands on defense. Does ASU need to beat the U of A? For you to consider it a uh, 2023, consider that a, a successful season. 
The U of A's won four straight. The Wildcats outscored Colorado 10-0 during the fourth quarter and allowed just seven second-half points in the 34-31 victory at Boulder. What or who stood out during the U of A's win at Colorado? Meanwhile, spanning the globe, back to the NFL we go. Week 10 concludes tonight in Buffalo. Who you got tonight, ATS? Bills minus seven and a half, seven, excuse me, that's now seven, or the uh, Broncos plus seven. Meanwhile, college football for a second consecutive week. Well, top eight teams in the college football playoff uh, were all victorious. So what team most stood out to you on Saturday? Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show all the way back to last Friday? That's the pipeline for today. We will get to all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else in your mind falls into the general discussion category. So whether it's from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Uh, basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey has a news update. That will be followed by Around the NFL with Vinnie Iyer of the Sporting News. Then at the bottom of the hour, phone call time, general discussion. 602-260-1060. We'll get to uh, definitely some Cardinals and Falcons in time pending. Uh, some ASU and or U of A at some strategical point. And then uh, the uh, local roundup will also... Uh, in, well, I'm probably not getting to the basketball. In U of A won. That was a surprise on Friday night. Uh, ASU won on Saturday. I didn't watch any of that, so sorry about that. Uh, the Suns, I watched a little bit of that and... It's November, so it doesn't matter because it's the NBA in November. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Kess Lux HD 2 100.7. AM 1060 is the home to the Dan Patrick Show, the Doug Gottlieb Show, and Sports Map Radio. Catch all the sports content here on AM 1060. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KUSA AM 1060 and KSLUX HD2 100.7, your home to the Dan Patrick Show, live Monday through Friday from 7 to 10 a.m. Week number 10 in the NFL, dominated by late field goals and also uh, some late-game collapses, depending on your viewpoint. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined the sports zone by Vinny Iyer of the uh, Sporting News. And, Vinny, good to have you on the show once again. Let's start with the good. Specifically, let's start with the uh, Detroit Lions uh, and their offense. Uh, what has most stood out to you about that group so far this season? Well, I think they can just do everything, right? They can run the ball and uh, not only power run, but explosive runs now that Jameer Gibbs is in the flow and fully healthy. And Montgomery showed he can also go the distance on long runs. So when you look at that, uh, yeah, it's uh, a complete offense. They can do anything. They've got Amon Ross St. Brown who can dominate. They really work middle of the field well. I think they've had one weakness. They're not as consistent on the outside. They're still trying to figure out Jameson Williams' 
role here as a downfield threat, but Josh Reynolds is pretty good. They've got Khalif Raymond in there. So they have a diversity group there with their weapons where they can go anywhere at any point here. And you're seeing that in their complete team. If they have to win with defense, they can do that. If they want to win with offense, they can do that. So Detroit, I think every way you look at a team that's built to do well, not just win the division, but uh, be among the top seeds, but also go deep into the playoffs, you'd say the Lions really fit that profile. So should we be putting them in the same sentence with Philadelphia and San Francisco and the NFC? Well, I think you have to. I mean, look at where they're seated. I mean, right now they're number two. The Eagles have a really tough game here coming up against the Chiefs and their schedule. If you look at the Eagles' schedule, pretty darn tough yeah. <laughs> next few yeah. weeks. I mean, yeah. you have the 49ers yeah. and Bills and Cowboys again. So, yeah, it's going to be tough to survive that. Where the Lions, what are they going to do? They're going to pound through a pretty weak NFC North. They don't have to play the Vikings who are red hot right now until two of the last three weeks of the season. So, they could really build a lead there. They still have two with the Bears there to dominate. So, yeah, their schedule is a lot more favorable right now, being a lesser team last year that didn't make the playoffs than either the Eagles or the 49ers. Speaking of the 49ers, uh, you know, they ended their three-game losing streak. Was it uh, as simple as getting Trent Williams and Debo Samuel back on the field? Yeah, it seems like it. <laughs> or just uh, coming off a bye, right? So they got to Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy was a little bit maybe shaken up there. We're not sure about where he was at with the concussion. Maybe lost a little sharpness in those two games, especially to the Vikings and Bengals. But he was back on point, and when you have your left tackle and all your weapons together, that was the most complete game the 49ers have played. And it kind of says that Christian McCaffrey didn't score – because it, they were just loaded. Everyone else was doing things. And you've not had a game where all their guys have gone off at the same time and dominated and have been healthy, and that's what you saw from the 49ers. You know, the defense, you know, Steve Wilkes came out of the booth. I don't know if that had anything to do with it. It, it does help that you, you added Chase Young, and he had an impactful first game. Yeah, I mean, you just look at the 49ers. They're loaded with talent everywhere on the field, I think. They were caught off guard a little bit with some of the attacks. The Vikings and Bengals were able to push the ball downfield, and Trevor Lawrence could not do that in that game. And he was under duress quite a bit. The Jaguars, I wouldn't put them in the same class right now, the way the Vikings and Bengals are passing him is going. Those teams seem very difficult to stop. I wouldn't put the Jaguars in that class. I think you have a little bit of issues there with Trevor Lawrence sorting things out. The turnovers have been an issue. He's not really lighting it up. So I think they got a break there. But, uh, look, Doug Peterson doesn't have the greatest track record after bye. Kyle Shannon didn't either. But when you look at it, I mean, the 49ers, I think they needed to come out and say, we're a complete team. Don't forget about us. And uh, now they get the Buccaneers so they can build on that this week as uh, big favorites at home. Vinny Iyer, the Sporting News, currently in the Sports Zone. All right, the Texans, 5-4 and four now after winning at Cincinnati what what is most impressed you about C.J. Stroud at this point? Well, I think he's doing a lot from the pocket, right? He can move around, and we did score him, or see him score a rushing touchdown in the game that was pretty key against the Bengals. He can move when needed, just like these other pocket quarterbacks, including the guy on the other side, Joe Burrow. But he's going to do his damage throwing the ball downfield. And he had his best receiver on the outside, Nico Collins, that game, but I think their weapons have caught people by surprise how good they can be. But part of it is the scheme. The 49ers like scheme, and they're getting guys open all the time. Tank Dell can be a special player. I think between Dell and Dalton Schultz, they made some really good pickups there, That guys that can really 
get open everywhere. They saw what Noah Brown could do with the Cowboys. So Brown and Schultz come over from Dallas. They look uh, just like natural fits in this offense. And then just overall, now you have a running game as well. They kind of could not run the ball at all. I think what happened was Damian Pierce, as good as he was as a rookie, just not a great fit for that zone blocking scheme. Now you saw Devin Singletary as the passing game opens things up. People are scared of things downfield. It's going to open the running lanes. Their offensive line is getting healthier. So another team that can build momentum currently in playoff position and get Arizona this week. Not the same Arizona with Kyler Murray, but that should be one of the more entertaining games this week. You know, they already won, they being the Texans, already won at Jacksonville. So do they win the AFC South here? They have a shot. I mean, they've definitely owned the Jaguars. It's a very mesmerizing kind of a deal here where the Jaguars can't seem to figure out the Texans, and that needs to happen. They cannot get swept by the Texans, especially now where the margin is that one game. So the Texans would take control of the division. So really for Houston, everything's right in front of it because – Sweeps that, takes care of the business against these lesser teams of the division. Uh, Titans being one of them, they look like they're fading group pretty quickly with their youth movement. So I, I think you have to take advantage of the schedule. Some of these teams, that's how they kind of rise up. They take advantage of being much improved, and then they have a schedule where the teams aren't caught up to them with their improvements. So Texans are going to be a factor. This playoff race has got a lot more interesting with them in the mix. Which was more surprising to you, the Bengals losing at home to the Texans or the Ravens blowing the lead at home and losing to the Browns? I think I was just surprised. The Ravens, I mean, were up pretty big. They throw and made a big mistake there that turned into a pick six and went the other way. That's not great. I mean, the Texans almost tried to do that against the Bengals, throwing a couple of interceptions and turning over the ball late. But that's the way they came back surprised me because it looked like they were dead. Looks like the Ravens were going to do everything. When Odell Beckham Jr. scored that touchdown, I said, oh, the Ravens are in great shape in this game. But, I don't know, credit the Browns. They were gritty. Their defense didn't give up. They made another play. So that division is going to come down the wire. And I'm really excited about this week because you get Browns, Steelers, Bengals, yeah. Ravens to start things off on Thursday. So a lot of uh, AFC North chaos uh, might be continuing to come here. Okay, let, let's get into these two teams a little bit more here. Let, let's uh, a little more on the Ravens. They now have the most losses in the NFL over the last two years when leading in the fourth quarter. They blew the 14-point lead yesterday. Why do the Ravens continually blow these games in the fourth quarter? Well, I think they're somewhat caught in between identities. Right? They don't know if they should throw and put the game away or do they run with Lamar, do they run other people? to win and you look at it, their secondary is pretty tough especially at safety but on the outside they can be beat a little bit and that's how teams can come back if they can throw on you on the outside and i think with the ravens uh, i think that it's just a situation where they may not know exactly how to close that game so they have confidence with lamar to just sit back there and throw i think you have to let your quarterback throw those tight situations i mean the texans did that right on a couple third downs uh, you saw the raiders do it and they gave the Jets one last chance. I mean, you have to kind of throw to get those first downs late in the game. And I think maybe going into a conservative running shell is not going to help you win these type of games or put teams away because every extra possession you give to a team, and in the Ravens' case, they gave them a score, quick uh, turnaround, transition score, it's going to come back to haunt you. Okay, so the Bengals, they, they were on a roll before yesterday. So what do we think of them at this point? 
Yeah, I mean, you look at the Bengals, I mean, I think they still need to sort out some things. With Joe Burrow, um, I know a lot of focus is going to be on the drops of Tyler Boyd, but he made a terrific play to even put them in that position before. And Joe Burrow, quite frankly, turned over the ball poorly (laughs) in the previous drive. One was kind of a tip there, but the second one, I mean, just throwing it into the end zone the wrong way. So I think that's where actually the game was kind of lost because the Texans were trying to give the game away and the the Bengals gave it right back. So they got to clean things up. They can't take anything for granted now. They're out of playoff position. They got the big win against the Bills, but the Bills could go right back over them tonight um, in the matchup against the Broncos. So a lot of work to do, but, again, a lot of things are in front of the Bengals. They're playing the Steelers still twice here, have another shot at the Browns at home, and also we'll get the Ravens on Thursday. So I'm looking at this game, though, for the Bengals. They need a lot more than Baltimore just based on how the schedule goes and the fact that they already lost at home to the Ravens. Okay, Vinny, I need some help with the Browns. Yeah, I watched them a couple of the games that they played before they played the Cardinals last week. And then, you know, watched some of yesterday. I was at the the Cardinals game, but I watched some highlights last night. Watson goes 14 of 14 in the second half. I don't know what to think of the Browns at this point. Yeah, I think they're still trying to figure themselves out. I think the Nick Chubb injury didn't really change their identity. They still want to be a team that runs a lot. They're a very loaded defense, we know, on every level. But they're just very inconsistent. Some games they can score a ton. Some games they can disappear. Sometimes their defense just stops the run and shuts it down completely. Sometimes it allows a lot of teams to move the ball. And, and the one thing I'll say, the Ravens did move the ball in that game with a lot of big plays. And that, that's where the Browns can be the letdown here. So there's a lot to, still to learn about them. I think the one team, because they don't win in flashy ways, they get outgained in every game the Steelers so I think you look at the baseline yeah. of the Steelers I think in those clutch moments and those tighter games they're the team you trust a little bit more than the Ravens Browns or Bengals I was going to bring exactly that up I mean the Steelers have been outgained in every game this year and they keep winning these games and I'm equally as baffled as to how that happens so help me out on that one well, I mean, the last two weeks, I don't think it's been too much of a mystery because their running game has gotten going. They've made a big change in the yeah. offensive line, bring Broderick Jones in there. They did get Isaac Samalo from the Eagles, so they do expect to have an improved offensive line. It's finally coming to fruition here with the running game, especially on the left side. So now you got a good one-two punch from Nadia Harris and Jalen Warren. You're not getting elite play from Kenny Pickett, but he's hanging in there making the tough throws when under duress. And and that's the thing is like that's what the Steelers want. I mean, Mike Tomlin loves this kind of football, low-scoring, defensive-minded, running the ball with great success. This is how he would prefer to win. I think every week he doesn't care if they win by three points, two points, seven, twenty. Right? He just wants to win this way. And look, you have to credit this guy. Every year they have a winning record. It's not by accident. Going around the NFL, Vinny Iyer of the Sporting News. Okay, so. The Lions and Niners beat the Chargers and Jags. So what do we expect uh, from the Chargers and the Jags for the rest of the season? Yeah, the Chargers are going to be up and down. I think their defense can sometimes show up, and they have a pass rush, and they can do things that way. But I think their run defense is a bit overachieving, and it's finally exposed by a good running team against the Lions. So this is a trap game that they got to figure out. they got to get right back on trap in Green Bay. It's not going to be easy. It's a long road trip. It's a tough place to play, so they have to get going. I think Jaguars have a better chance to get well. They turn around and stay at home against the Titans this week. So Jaguars are going to be fine, but I think you 
called it there. I think when the Texans and Jaguars meet again, I think that could determine the division. The Eagles, Chiefs, and Dolphins uh, were on by this past week. And uh, the Eagles have one loss, but they only have uh, two games this year that they've won by double digits. Reason for concern or no big deal with Philadelphia? Well, I look at the Eagles. I mean, yeah, I mean, my concern is just their defense, how it's going to hold up against the Chiefs, Bills, those 49ers, Cowboys. I mean, those matchups coming up the second time, they were fortunate to beat Dallas last week with defense. But the one thing they can do is rush the passer. They're pretty loaded at that spot. They've had some injuries that you have to overcome if you're going to chase things down and try to win a conference championship again. So, look, they're going to have the holes. They're going to have to win a lot up front. They have to continue to stop the run and uh, go in that direction. The Chiefs have two losses. Uh, those were on you know, opening night when uh, Kelsey and Jones didn't play, and at Denver when Mahomes was ill. Uh, they won with defense. Uh, my you know, my question is, the Chiefs wide receivers, they lead the world and drop passes. Are they going to figure out how to catch the ball in the second half of the season? Well, this is a good time to buy Randy Reid. We know his team is always stronger after a bye. They're going to sort things yeah. out with some of the younger receivers, find out the pecking order, and I think you'll see them just fine. I mean, it's scary that the Chiefs are winning you with defense. I mean, they're allowing only like 15 points per game. I think it's second in the NFL. Uh, it was definitely going into week 10. So when you look at that, I mean, their point differential is pretty impressive. They score like 23 points. That's down about a touchdown from last year, but they're still beating teams by an average of eight points a game, and that's what you would take if you're the Super Bowl champs. The Dolphins have not beaten a team above 500 since September of last season. Uh, should we take Miami seriously before they beat a good team? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, is that they're favored by 10 points this week against the Raiders, and the Raiders are hot. I mean, they won two games, but, I mean, they're not schlubs. They have some guys that can make some plays offensively there so it'll be an interesting I, I think a middle of the road test because the Raiders are now at 500 but yeah the Dolphins need to get a little bit more depth and expand their offense a little bit more I think it's a little bit narrow so if like Terry Kill or Jan Wall gets hurt and you can contain one of them then you're in good shape to stop this offense so as great as Tyreek Hill is if you put enough people and take him out of the game other people are going to have to step up and do it and Jan Waddle hasn't been the same guy I mean he's been battling for injuries as well so they're going to have to figure it out. Their defense has got to have to play a lot better in those bigger games. But uh, we'll find out pretty soon. I, I think the Dolphins, their goal right now should be at least to stay behind the Bills and win that uh, second wild card. Okay, you mentioned the Raiders. They, they won two in a row here with Antonio Pierce, now the head coach. But they beat the Giants and the Jets. I don't think there's a third team in New York, New Jersey, unless they can play Rutgers next week or something. So, you know, I, I'm not buying the Raiders. Yeah, I think it's a nice story that they've kind of started to play with some inspiration here, and they were just dead in the water with uh, Josh McDaniels. So it's a nice little story. But you're right. I don't think it's going to be that uh, 2021 season part two and Rich Passaccia had to take over for John Gruden. They made the playoffs. I don't see that happening again for the Raiders. All right, so tonight it's Bills and Broncos. What are you looking for in this game in Buffalo? Yeah, I mean, the Bills have to be wary because the Broncos did just knock off the Chiefs, and they're going to play with a lot more confidence. I mean, they kind of started burying the Broncos as uh, maybe being a repeat from last year, but Sean Payton starting to see the improvement. Russell Wilson is playing better. Their defense is getting healthier. So this is a big trap game for the Bills. They don't want to get caught looking just ahead because the Jets are next, and they did lose to them in week one. So there's a lot of things to uh, consider here, but uh, I think it's going to make it 
Buffalo sweat a little bit tonight until they get a play to pull away late in the game. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that their defense got healthier at Denver. I mean, you know, how much of that has to do with their you know so-called turnover turnaround? I should say here. Yeah, I, I think that has a lot to do with it, especially Justin Simmons coming back, Patrick Sertain, too, starting to play like he can. So it sure looks like a good spot for sure for them to maybe flex a little bit more. And, and they get another primetime spot against the Vikings, and they're actually favored in that game. So we'll see how they fare. If they can beat the Bills and Vikings back-to-back, then I think we're going to start taking notice of them and maybe being a legitimate playoff contender. Yeah, my apologies. I probably should have got the Vikings into our discussion here, but I kind of uh, blew the time management part of this. So my bad on that. I'll make sure we uh, get to the Vikings the next time. Vinny, good stuff. I appreciate it. Thanks. All right, thank you. Vinny Iyer, the Sporting News. Excellent stuff from him, as always. Read the written word at sportingnews.com. And uh, quite a day yesterday in the NFL. Uh, the comebacks were, depending on your viewpoint, it was either you know just you know some really bad play by the teams that we expected them to win, expected to win in the fourth quarter, and it's certainly you know, the teams that made fourth quarter comebacks, or you know the the Texans, you know they kind of had the lead, kind of made a mistake with Stroud's one bad play, and then came back anyway. Uh, so it was well, a little. You know, all kinds of things going on in that game. But it was a weird day. Certainly the early games yesterday, a weird day in the NFL. All right, next segment, phone call time. If you want to jump aboard, 602-260-1060. We'll get to some local roundup, including some Cardinals and Falcons analysis from yesterday. We'll get to a lot more on Cardinals. Uh, We'll have a little more time for ASU and the U of A during the extra point hosted by Kayla from 11 to 1. So stay tuned for that. But right now, if you want to get in, 602 260 1060. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. Interact with Bob Kemp's poll question on KDUS1060.com. That's KDUS1060.com. And while you're there, check out Bob Kemp's bottom line at KDUS1060.com. It's time for today's local roundup. Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time to the KDUS hotline 602-260-1060. Get your phone calls in just a couple of seconds. First up, little local roundup here on the uh, Cardinals. Uh, emerged victorious yesterday. Kyler Murray in his season debut for 2023. Uh, used his uh, legs and his arm uh, during the Cardinals' final drive. And the Cardinals beat the Falcons 25-23 in Glendale. Murray, during that last drive, scrambled 13 yards on a third down play and also later completed a 33-yard pass to Trey McBride that put the Cardinals inside the 10-yard line that led to the game-winning field goal by Matt Prater as uh, time ran out and the Cardinals' six-game losing streak ended at that point. Meanwhile, Murray delivered a he, – he's a NFL-level quarterback. You know, they haven't – you know, sorry, Josh Dobbs. I know he's like the flavor of the week and month and whatever in Minnesota now, but they had not gotten the NFL top-level quarterback play this season. Uh, Jonathan Gannon called his performance a uh, jolt of energy. I think that's an accurate statement. Uh, Murray earlier in the game, or you know, actually, uh, you know, basically for the game, I should say, completed 14 of 32 passes, 249 yards. 
And uh, I mentioned uh, you know, he also rushed six times for 33 yards. I mentioned that in the pipeline. We heard the highlights at the top of the show. Uh, the, the Murray you know, scramble for the first down and then the pass to McBride. James Conner also returned from injury. He, too, is an NFL-level player. Let's face it, the Cardinals don't have that many NFL-level starting players. And uh, you know, Conner is definitely that. And uh, he ended up rushing 16 times for 73 yards. Clearly was on a play count. Uh, they did a good job of moving him in and out. And I know that he was less than thrilled one time when they took him out, his reaction on the bench. But, you know, he wants to play. And I think they did a good job of trying to uh, manage uh, his uh, workload, so to speak. Sounds like the NBA. But uh, this is actually, I think, a bigger deal managing a workload coming off an injury for a football player than it is the NBA phony workload crap that we've seen for several years. Meanwhile, Trey McBride continues to be a really resemble an NFL level tight end, at least receiving wise. Uh, he caught four, uh, excuse me, eight of nine targets, eight of nine targets for 131 yards. They had the most yards by any Cardinals tight end uh, since Robert uh, Awalt back in the late 80s. Uh, when they first got to Arizona. Also, special teams played a big role. Prater had the four field goals, 51, 46, 56, and the 23-yard game winner. Also, Blake Gillikin averaged 43 yards on three punts. One of those was a really big deal that uh, flipped the field position. And Greg Dorch also provided a uh, boost with a kickoff return that actually led to a Cardinals score. On the defensive side, two rookies. Uh, for Monty Austin-Ford's first draft class stood out. Outside linebacker B.J. Ojolari had two sacks. Also, he has natural pass rushing skills. That's something we mentioned when they drafted him out of LSU. He's listed third on the Cardinals' depth chart at outside linebacker behind Zabin Collins and also Cameron Thomas. Those two guys are not good enough to be NFL starters. I think we've seen enough from Collins and Thomas. Those guys are special teams and backup guys. Uh, but I think that Ojolari has a chance. Also, nickelback Garrett Williams got my attention. Yeah, he was drafted because of his cover skills, which, you know, that stood out uh, in the you know, first couple of games that he came back from injury. But the thing that really caught my attention yesterday is his willingness to make tackles in the running game. So up next for the Cardinals, Kyler Murray heads back to Texas uh, as the uh, Cardinals meet C.J. Stroud and the 5-4 and four Houston Texans. All right, on to the phone lines we go. And Morty, what's going on? Morty in Phoenix, hi there. Hey, Bob. I, I, I knew you, you must have thought with that question uh, you'd probably get a call from me. First off, I have to tell you, I took my grandson over to the game this weekend. I wanted him to see the Rose Bowl, see the beauty that surrounds it, and maybe experience yeah. a decent football game. And um, oh. it was the ugliest, most beautiful football game I think <laughs> I've ever been at. And I've been at a few, they, as you know. They, that's so, true. They did a good job of ugling it up, for sure. And also, you know, the fact that you know, UCLA fans, and uh, you know, there's, I've listened to Stuart Mandel and Bruce Feldman on their podcast from yesterday. I listened to this morning's podcast. I listened to it this morning. And they're talking about Chip Kelly maybe be, being fired at the end of the year, in part because of this game and just he hasn't developed the program to the level that UCLA had hoped. Well, I think we got the opposite in the future going on here. And one thing, I, you know, the, the crowd that we had – 
in the end zone was really pretty loud and and supportive. Yeah. And I think I think I've I've decided that I'm not going to when I see something that looks absolutely alien out on that field, I'm not going to question because because I think that Dillingham's a couple moves ahead of where things are at that time. Well, I think he was on Saturday. I think he's also he's made some bonehead decisions. Uh, the biggest oh, one is he to, he he totally lost the game at Washington. They should have won that game. Uh, I don't know what the hell he was thinking on really either side of the ball in uh, parts of that game. But yeah, Saturday I think that he and his coaching staff did an excellent job of putting UCLA in very uncomfortable situations, especially the UCLA defensive front which you would have thought going into the game could have dominated that game physically. And I can only think that the kids that come back next year who wouldn't have had any experience this year are going to be grizzled veterans next year to help that team out, whether it's in a backup position or in a starting position. A lot of kids I got agree. a lot of experiences. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I, my big, my biggest concern for ASU next year is they're also leave, losing some key playmakers here, and they've got some playmakers. I mean, Harm did not leave the cupboard completely bare here. You know, they've got you know offensive guys that can make some plays. They've added a couple guys too. You know, that that's Dillingham to Dillingham's credit, but you know they they're losing some of the guys that when they've won games this year. They're losing a lot of the players that have made game-changing plays to help them win those at least a couple games in the last three weeks. Yeah, if I, Badger should be gone. Yeah. He's amazing. Um, yeah, I'm a I big think fan Scott, of his. Scott yeah, Scottaboo's a, a, a certain type of player. Another year won't hurt him. But anyway, to get your question, I don't know how you define success after what – what transpired last year and how, how things start out this year. But um, win or lose University of Arizona, we've seen things that, that give us some hope for the future. And, and um, if they're competitive, I'm not sure about this week, but if, they're, if it's a competitive, exciting game with, with U of A, I think it ends, ends the season on a positive note either way. Okay. That's just my okay. opinion. Okay, well, let's see how that game goes. Um, the U of A will probably do everything humanly possible to make the game as close as possible because that happens on a regular basis, <laughs> including Saturday, when the U of A couldn't have done more things incorrectly on a coaching side and still won the game because Colorado is just not any good anymore, if they were ever any good to begin with. Right. Okay, well, All have right. a good week. I'll talk to you. Yeah. Be good. I'll be around. All right, thank you. Appreciate okay, it. Good stuff. Good stuff from Morty there. We'll get a little more into the U of A thing. Like I said, they did some of the dumbest things. Even in the Jed Fish era, they kind of reached a new low. Or actually, a couple of new lows. But, you know, they're, you know, and, and Fafita was not good at all in the first half. But Fafita was excellent in the second half. And they only allowed, the defense has been the key to the U of A winning any games this year, in my opinion. Their defense, which was also kind of a no-show in the first half, made a whole, bunch, a whole lot of plays in the second half. Only gave up seven points to Colorado's offense, which had skill players. No offensive line, but they have skill players. And God bless Sadur Sanders. That kid is just getting destroyed, uh, physically hammered every week. Good for him. Um, 
I know he's got another year of college eligibility, at least one, maybe two. I don't understand how all these rules work now. But he, be, yeah, I know it's his dad's the coach, but his dad, the coach, should say, son, we need to get you go to the NFL because you're getting the hell beat out of you. And I don't know if your stack is going to be as high next year as it is right now as an NFL quarterback. All right, coming up next, we'll have a, a news update with Corey. That'll be followed by the conclusion of today's radio program called the Sports Zone. Don't forget the next two hours. It's the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. Uh, and we will have tons of college and NFL analysis from the weekend. And uh, who knows what else? Uh, maybe a little more time uh, for uh, Cardinals, I'm sure. ASU, probably. And the U of A, a little bit. So try to figure out how to, she'll try to figure out how to do all that. And that that's one of her many job duties. Uh, and I just kind of follow along as best as possible. Sometimes it's pretty good. Sometimes it's not the best as possible, maybe. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUSA M1060 and KS Lux HD2 100.7. Check out KDUS AM 1060 on 100.7 KSLX HD2. That's right, HD Radio on 100.7 channel number two. It's time for today's National Roundup. Welcome back, final segment of today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD2 100.7. Latest line, a lot of action on the Bills. In Broncos game the last uh, 48 hours or so, especially this morning. And this line is basically now down to the Bills, a seven-point favorite uh, tonight in Buffalo against Denver. Uh, seven, seven and a halfs were out there, you know, most of last week, if not all of last week. I think there was actually an eight at one point. It opened eight and a half, but that was a week and a half ago back in the early line uh, situation, the opening line situation, which is the look-ahead line, which some casinos put up. You know, basically on Tuesdays, uh, looking ahead to the games in the following week. Uh, so there's that. But, uh, you know, the uh, the uh, the Bills now down seven-point favorite. If I was going to do anything in this game tonight, which I'm not, but I do have a, the uh, Broncos in a pool uh, plus seven and a half. So definitely go Broncos. Let's ride tonight, as uh, somebody once said uh, last year in Denver. I don't think he's saying that anymore. And they're winning games since he shut up and quit saying that. But he's not. he didn't shut up. He just quit saying. Russell Wilson quit saying, let's write. All right, quickly, a couple things from Sunday. Brock Purdy, Valley Product, three touchdown passes. It's amazing what happens when Debo Samuel and, uh, and uh, obviously, uh, you know, Trent Williams come back from injury. And uh, they destroyed. And Chase Young had a big role in this game, too. Now, he had a sack and some pressures on Trevor Lawrence, and Trevor Lawrence is, uh, was not good. He also got sacked five times, and basically the Jags' phony defense and their bad offensive line was exposed by the 49ers yesterday in a rout. In, uh, that game was in Jacksonville, by the way, and they just destroyed them 34-3. to Meanwhile, the Browns shocked the Ravens, Deshaun Watson, uh, you know, completed you know, basically every pass in the second half. He was 14 for 14 in the second half. Unfortunately, Watson also left uh, the game in a walking boot, and he's supposedly being examined today in Cleveland, 
at least according to Ian Rappaport, within the last couple of hours. So hopefully now that they actually had some success, he's now not hurt again. So we'll see what's up with that. The Browns scored the last 16 points of the game. And they had a massive time of advantage uh, edge in this game. They had the ball for 34-plus minutes in this game. That's usually Baltimore's game, and Baltimore's four-game winning streak ended. On Saturday, Michigan, without Jim Harbaugh on the sidelines, uh, defeated uh, Penn State. Uh, Blake Corum, 145 yards and two touchdowns in this game. J.J. McCarthy made a few key plays with his arm, mostly with his legs. And In fact, Michigan actually ran the ball 32 straight snaps at one point. They did not throw a pass. After seven minutes remaining in the second quarter of this game, uh, it was a, uh, another loss for James Franklin in a so-called big game, and uh, they continue to stumble in those situations. And uh, this Penn State on Sunday announced that they uh, that uh, it had fired offensive coordinator Mike Yursich, who was supposed to be a really big hire for them two years ago. That hasn't quite worked out, needless to say. Meanwhile, Georgia dominated Old Miss, Carson Beck. He's really good and not hearing enough talk about him nationally still. 306 yards passing. Uh, we thought Brock Bowers might come back. He did. He was out there. You know, He wasn't out there for every snap, but he was out there and did score a touchdown. They still had him out there in the fourth quarter when they already had 40-some points, and that's when he scored his touchdown. But uh, Georgia, when they feel like showing up, which has been like three games this season, they have destroyed the opposition. I would not be surprised if Georgia were not ranked number one in the CFP rankings that come out tomorrow. All right, that's it for today's Sports Zone. Stay tuned. The extra point coming up next with Kayla. We'll go through a whole bunch of NFL and college games, local and national. And uh, we'll, uh, stay tuned for that. This has been the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlex HD 2 100.7.